Hi, everyone. So good to be with you. How are you? You good? Yes, I'm good, too. Um, so I've been thinking about uh, today, and I don't know about you, but I want to hear from the Lord today. You know what I mean? Are you with me on that? Like, and when I think about that, I'm like, well, if God, I'm pretty sure I know this. God is always speaking. God is always present. He's always moving. And so I just want to hear him and feel him and go with him. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I don't know. I've just been like feeling that all week. Like God's presence is always with us. And God is good. He's good in so many ways. Even if we don't feel like he's always good, he is good. We're just confused about what's good. So I was thinking, um, uh, uh, before I get into the message today, um, I, I really want to share one more thing. They just shared some really cool things going on that are going to be happening. And if, you, if you're new, you should come to Next Step, by the way. And uh, even if we have a bunch of people show up that we weren't planning, you know, I can't promise seconds on the food, but you can still come. Um, and then, and then Devote is going to be amazing. But another thing that's coming up is next week, uh, we're starting a series called Doing Things That Matter. It's a really new concept that's never been talked about before. <laughs> uh, if you have never, if you don't know, uh, I wrote a book a couple years ago called Doing Things That Matter. We talk about it every once in a while. And, and anyway, we're going we're gonna to do this again. But I say again, we've never actually done this series since the book's come out. And we thought, let's do it. But let's actually do it like the next step. Like, let's, go, let's go beyond what's in there, because anybody can read a book, but there's something meaningful about it to us that's really significant in terms of our culture and who we are becoming and what God wants to do in our church and all those sorts of things. And so we're going to spend some time on it. And we started brainstorming a few months ago about like what would be cool, good to have with it. And we thought about you know, adding a devotional to go along with it. And this is kind of why I wanted to share it today, because something cool is going on. And uh, like I said, God is good, right? And so I know a guy who knows a guy, well, really I just know a guy who does something, and it's called the YouVersion Bible app, and you guys have this Bible app, right? So I made a plan, we made a plan, doing things that matter, devotional plan, it's a 14-day plan, um, and it's on the YouVersion app now. And what's really cool about this is they actually put it on their featured plans, it's still on their featured plans. If you go to your Bible app, it's at the very top scroll, doing things that matter. And we wrote it for here, we wrote it for you, and we thought, hey, let's just share it with everybody, right? And let's just share it with the, the world. And so... <laughs> Like, this, is, this app has like 200 million installs, um, and anyway, this has been up on the featured thing for like a couple, well, like a week or so now, and I've, I kind of get some notifications of where people are reading it, and it's not just all over the country, which people are reading it all over the country. So what's funny is some people are reading before you're reading it. Sorry about that. Um, but it is for you and for us. But anyway, there's people all over the country, you know, I've even seen, seen like South Africa, Nigeria, United Kingdom, Brazil, all these places that people are reading doing things that matter right now, which is pretty cool that God is using something that isn't just about, it, this isn't about me, this is about us, this is about what has been happening in our church, this little church in this little building that wants to do big things for Jesus around the world. You know what I'm saying? And so, anyway, the idea is that you would go to your YouVersion app and you would download it. If you've never done a plan on YouVersion, or if you don't have YouVersion, the Bible app, I would suggest getting it, uh, and then subscribe to this, okay? And so you can do that this week. And then we'll start this together next week. Sound good? That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. So um, that was a sort of a, I don't know what kind of clap that was. <laughs> it was like a sort of a, yeah, I don't know. I can't even describe it. I'm so moved. Okay, well, enough about next week. Let's talk about today. 
because we want God to speak today, right? Well, here's the deal. He's already speaking, right? We want to hear what God has for us and what he wants to say to us. And so I want to finish, and Isaiah did a great job earlier with, with Psalm 139, um, but I want to finish on what I believe is a powerful psalm, Psalm 139. And this is one of those psalms that has like deep meaning to a lot of people. It's one of those psalms that like people connect with. It's something that they find comfort in or they find encouragement or they find some sort of meaning in. And so for some of you in here, you may have this special connection to Psalm 139. If, uh, if you do, uh, then this will probably just, you know, even make it more significant to you as we kind of unpack it a little bit as much as you can in just a few minutes. But if I were going to give you the statement, God is and then asked you to fill in the blank to the sentence. God is blank. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes up when you say, God is, God is blank, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about him. Some of us would say, well, God is love, right? God is peace. He's hope. He's, he's wisdom. God is peace. He's all these things, right? Like, we would say that God is, and some of us have certain words or phrases that we would immediately think about when we think about what is God to me. Well, I want to read Psalm 139 with this idea that, of this sentence, God is fill in the blank, right? And I want to read this with that kind of as a backdrop as we get into this. So it's 24 verses. It's a little bit lengthy, but just it'll be on the screen. Read along. Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. What is he saying there? You created my inmost being. You created my soul. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You, can say, you, you created my body, my body and my soul. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, when he says that, he's actually speaking about when I awake eternity, after I die, I am still with you. If only you, God, and this, this part's sort of strange. Verse 19 through 22 here. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent, and your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies, strange little insertion that he makes there. Just so you know, he says this before Jesus. Jesus comes along and he kind of changes some things about the way people see those who are the enemies of God. What does Jesus say? To love your enemies. Well, before Jesus, it was okay in their minds to hate those who are against God. And so he's expressing that in some ways. But Jesus changes that when he says we must love our enemies. And then he ends it in verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's the word of the Lord. So many, many people over the years have sort of marveled, if you will, at the words of Psalm 139. Because it outlines so clearly some of the most uh, defining attributes of God. Well, theologians call these the incommunicable attributes of God, as opposed to the communicable ones, like a disease. Some are incommunicable, some are communicable, right? Well, there are some attributes of God that are incommunicable. They cannot be passed. There are some characteristics that can be, that we can pick up, we can sort of catch, if you will. Remember what I said, God is what? And we started to think, and I said, maybe we say God is love, maybe we say God is peace, God is, God is wisdom. There's some attributes and characteristics of God that you and I can actually grow in. We can actually take on this idea that God is love and we can, we can reflect that attribute, can't we? That characteristic, we can be loving. That doesn't mean that we will be the perfect picture of love, but it does mean that we can grow in that characteristic and quality and attribute of God. But there are some that are attributes that are God's alone. No one else has them. No one else can get them. And these are the incommunicable attributes of God, and we know them. We've heard them. You've probably heard these terms before, but if you haven't, I'll introduce them to you. They're called the omni-attributes. And this, these, the, the, these, so God is, right? God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. His power has no end, and it knows no bounds. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all the time. So these are the attributes that you and I will never get. We'll never catch him. We'll never be omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. As parents, we try and be these things, don't we? If you're a parent, we try and have that ability to have like eyes in the back of our head. You know what I'm talking about? Or we have that sense. As a parent, have you had that sense that you just know something's going on with your kid and you're like, how do I just know this? Christy has this ability. Our kids, especially when it comes to the, like when our kids' health is not going well and they're not feeling well, and I, they just have a little cough, and I'll be like, oh, they're fine. Just give them a Flintstones vitamin, and we'll move on, right? And she's like, no, I think something's wrong. She'll take them to the doctor. They have like a double ear infection and the flu. This is a real story that's happened, right? <laughs> and I'm like, how do you know this stuff? And so some of you parents have like this sixth sense, not like I see dead people's sixth sense, but you have like a sense about your children you can just know, right? Well, this is obviously different than that. This is something more, this knowledge of God, this ability to know th- all things, all times, at all times. God doesn't see time, for example, in a linear path like we see it. He sees everything, every moment, at once. That should like short circuit your head. He doesn't have time. He sees everything at once. He's all knowing. So when I say God is, well, David fills in the blank, doesn't he? He says God is all knowing. He knows everything that's ever happened and will happen. He, know, he even knows when I sit and when I rise. He knows my thoughts. And David says, well, God, God, is, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. I mean, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He's, he created my inmost being. He ordained my days for me. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's all-powerful. Even the darkness is like light then. He's all-powerful. And then he says he's probably what he really sits on. What David really rests on in the psalm is that God is omnipresent. He's always there. 
and He's always with, with us. Can't get away from Him. It is the inescapable reality of our environment that God is present. So let me, let me ask you a question. Um, how many of you would acknowledge that you have, you like to be in control of things? You know what I'm saying? You like to have control of your... <laughs> thing. I mean, maybe, maybe you can nod and say, well, a friend of mine has control issues, <laughs> right? Um, we all have one of those people, and usually they have one of those people too, and it happens to be you. And uh, So anyway, so let's, this is a stretch today, but perhaps go with me on this, that we like to control things. <laughs> I know that sounds far-fetched. But we like to control things. And let me ask you, do we ever treat God's presence as if we have some sort of control over it? You know what I'm talking about? Do we almost unknowingly uh, invite him places with us? You know what I'm talking about? So we have a really big need, and we're like, oh God, we just need you to show up. Where, where was he? <laughs> what do we pray? We pray, God, we just want to invite your presence as if he's some guest at our event. Uh, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, we know better, yet we have these habits in life, and if you're with me on this, you know, I don't know. I, I'll just want to, I'll, I'll know that you're with me. I think you're with me. We have these habits in which we think God's presence comes and goes, and that it's at somewhat under our request and our permission. So we pray, God, would you come and meet with us? Would your presence come into this room? And it's sort of a strange prayer because it sort of assumes that God wasn't here and that he only comes when we invite him. Or you ever heard someone talk about a story that's something incredible that just happened, something, or they're just telling a story about their past, and they, and they have this kind of crescendo moment. They were like, there go, well, and then God showed up. Which, again, it's like, where was he before that moment? And it makes the assumption that sometimes he doesn't show up for those people or those places and in those times, and why doesn't he do it for them if he does it for you? And so even those little silly things that we say in life who don't have, doesn't have a lot of deep meaning to us, they have actually deep meaning to us. Because they're actually, they're actually echoing something that we believe. They're echoing something about what we believe about God's presence really in this world and who's really in control. Who's really in control in our heads? Or you know, whenever someone's talking and they come, up, come along and they have this really, again, they, instead of maybe God showed up, they say, what? Uh, it was a God thing that happened. I got this God thing story. I'm, I'm just messing with the God thing. You can say God thing, but... As it, it suggests as if there are many things in life that aren't God things. And I just think that there's something going on and something alive in this where we assign God to certain moments and to certain things. And then there are, apparently there must be other moments and other things in our life that really God is disassociated from and not really a part of. You see what I'm saying? Are you with me? Yeah, so perhaps we shouldn't be praying for God's Spirit to come, but we should be praying for our own flesh, our own spirit to become more aware, like we sang, of his presence, right? So David speaks to the sentence, God is, and he says he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's ever-present. And I'm going to, I can't walk through this psalm line by line today, but I do want to point to a few things that I think will be sort of interesting for us. And so we'll start back in verse 1 
And I'll just kind of read through a couple things quickly and make a few comments. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. So this, again, is talking about the omniscience of God and the nature of God, and he knows everything. And then look at what he says in verses 5 and 6. He says, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Now, when we read this in the English language, we actually think that this sounds really positive. We think this is like a really positive thing that David's just like, you know, just going on and on about how God knows everything about him and, he's, and, he, and he just hems him in. But really, most commentators believe David's actually expressing a bit of frustration here. He's actually like saying it differently than the way we read it. So I'm going to read this differently with a like, sort of like different emphasis on a different syllable sort of thing. All right? Read it like this. You hem me in. You're in front of me and you're behind me. Your hand is on top of me. I can't escape you. You're like this blanket that's smothering me. This is what he's saying. Your knowledge, it's too lofty for me to attain. I'll never even fully understand you. There's a bit of frustration in this. And then when you go to verse 7, it seems a little different, doesn't he? Doesn't it? When you know that he's maybe a little frustrated, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I, I need to get away, God. Sometimes I can't always have you in my face. I need some space, God. This is what he's saying. In the flee from your presence, it's the same statement that, says, that is in Jonah whenever it says that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, you know, when he didn't want to go do what God asked him to do, so he fled from the presence of the Lord. And this is what David's saying. Why? I want to flee from your presence sometimes. If I go up to the heavens, <laughs> well, you're there. If I go down to the depths, meaning if I die, I go down to the depths means into the ground where the people are dead. If I go down there, you're there too. Can I get away from you? If I, if, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I go to the east, as far east as I can go where the sun rises, you're there. If I, if I settle on the far side of the sea, meaning the, the sea, David's in Israel, right? And the, the sea is the Mediterranean to the west. If I go as far west as I could go, you're there too. David is writing that God's omnipresence is this inescapable fact. And he sounds a little bit like a 14-year-old, you know, that is tired of their helicopter parents. You know what I'm talking about? You know, give me some space. Like, I can do this on my own sometimes. I don't need you looking over my shoulder all the time. Then, he, then the next breath, that teenager says, Daddy, can I have 20 bucks? So like I said, David is writing about this inescapable fact of God's presence. But David isn't just a theologian giving us facts about God. Caleb mentioned it earlier, but the very first week of the series, we talked about how the Psalms are this deeply human expression, and David is expressing how he feels about these facts. <laughs> and some of them are, some of the facts that he, he feels really good about them, and some of them they are challenging, and so he has this, he has this ups and downs this clarity, this confusion going on, even within this psalm. So God's omni, if you will, these attributes that he had, they, they did something inside of David in this first part that can pose a threat to David, can it? Because like I said, we, we sort of want to be in control of things, and David, 
may not always want God right there in front of them. Because here's the thing, God's presence in the Old Testament, whenever you see the word presence, the Hebrew translation of this face, everywhere he turned, there was God's face. He sees God again in everything. And, and so he's a little bit, there's a little bit of a threat to who David is because there's this omnipresence of God everywhere he goes and everywhere he turns, he sees God's face. He's like, you hem me in behind and before. You won't let me escape your presence. So if David can feel a little overwhelmed by this, what about us? How do we do with the ever-present reality of God? Now it's getting interesting, isn't it? How do you and I do with the ever-present reality of God? Well, this makes me think of one of the enduring and most powerful beliefs in our culture especially in our American culture. We have a, and a wonderful idea that was birthed, um, well, not just in our nation, but our nation really ran with it. There's this wonderful idea called democratic political self-determination. Yes, I said that, democratic political self-determination, which essentially means that we should have the right to choose our leaders. We should have the right to choose how we live. We should have the right to choose just about everything. That's what democratic political self-determination is. And this is wonderful idea that we as modern people have taken and we've elevated to this ultimate spiritual reality and, all, and, and, and essentially the meaning of life. We actually believe this. Because what is it that we really, really feel? We really feel that I, that I should really be able to do what I want in life. That I should be able to live my way, that I should live however I choose, that I have the responsibility to take and, and, and determine what I believe is right and wrong and then carry out my life accordingly. And if I don't have the freedom to do so, then my life is meaningless. This is what we do, is it not? This is how we are and this is what culture has led us to believe. We actually think one of our greatest meanings in life is to feel like we can be ourselves, that we can be me. And if that's your understanding of life, which by the way it is, it's what we think. If that's our understanding of life, then the omni-god can become an absolute nightmare. Can he? Because here you have this God, right? Who's in control of everything and who sees everything and you can't escape him. So David, overwhelmed by this, he has this attitude a little bit. He's expressing how he feels and then David Again, it's full expression, though. There's, there's, a, there's an element to that. They're like, sure, I can totally understand, but he also turns the corner. He turns the corner in this, and in verse 10, he starts to not just talk about the confusion and the downs, but the ups and the clarity. In verse 10, it, he says this, even, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me. Do you see the, the change in tone there? What did he say just a few verses earlier? Your hand is on me. Now he's saying your hand will guide me, and it will hold me totally different experience. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. So even when I can't see for the darkness around me, your hands, it's going to guide me. It's going to hold me. Verse 14, just jumping down to that. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So now he's celebrating and praising God, not just for his omnipotence, presence, but his omnipotence, his power. 
And, and what struck me about that one line, and I, I referenced earlier the inmost being and knit, knit us together in our mother's womb, he's praising God that he's created him. When's the last time that you and I have spent time thanking God, thank you God for creating me and my soul and my flesh and blood? Thank you, God. When's the last time we, we prayed that and praised that? And I actually think, well, how, how interesting is that? Because I can go to God all day with my wants and my needs, but I can forget to just thank him that he's not only given us all these things in creation, but he's actually created me, that he cares and loves me. So maybe this week, that's a prayer of thanks and praise, is that he's created you. Another interesting thing about God's presence is that oftentimes we actually act like God's presence and God is elusive himself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Even people who have found God, which a lot of you would say, I've found God, have seasons and times in their life where they feel like they lost him. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're like, where is God? Has he forgotten me? Where did he go? And so we have these like, questions in our mind like, God is somewhere else. And we have this thought that maybe he's left us. And it's sort of like the classic moment you ever lost your pen. You know what I'm talking about? And you start looking for your pen, you look under the books, you look under the papers, you go to the room you're just in, and then where is it? It's behind your ear, right? And you, oh, God, there it is. Five minutes later, there's my pen. And sometimes what we think was lost was with us the whole time. That's God's presence. Sometimes when we think it's gone, it's actually not. It's right there with us. Have you ever had, you know, those moments when all of a sudden God's presence just sort of knocks you over? Maybe you're like, I've never had that. Some of you have had it though, right? Where God's presence is just, you cannot deny it. You know, the other day I was, sometimes it's into funny things too, right? The other day I was eating a watermelon. Like, not the whole thing. A piece. And <laughs> I was like, I literally like paused and was like, what? What? I'm looking at this little seed going, how did this happen? That thing made a 20-pound melon that tastes like this. How? You know what I'm saying? God's presence just hits you. You with me? And sometimes you're out, outside, right? You're in creation, and you're like, oh my gosh. Has anybody ever been struck by God's presence and looking at a mountain, looking at an ocean, even just a tree? I say just a tree, but trees are some of God's best work, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we can keep going on and on about creation. But there are times, right, when he just, he just strikes us in so many different ways. I can remember when we first, the first year of this church, if, if you're new with us, we're we're somewhere in the middle of our fourth year now. And in the first year of this church, one of the things we prayed about all the time was like, okay, God, we kind of have a sense where you want us to be, but where are we really going to be? Like, where do you want us to, to, to land and have a church home? And we prayed about that all the time. And we would walk up and down these streets and we'd pray over buildings and we'd have moments. And I, I just remember so many times there's like rich moments of God's presence among his people when we would stop and pray at these different buildings and up and down the street. And one time I was actually uh, here with my, my brother-in-law, Shane, who, and, and we were, I was showing him the area, and we were walking down the street, and we were actually walking this particular block, the 400 block of 23rd Street, and we were, we were circling this building. And, and on the back of, and some of you know this story, but on the back walls of our building and really this whole block, the back walls were just covered with graffiti. You know, this is, again, about five years ago, 
four or five years ago, and, um, and, and, and we just were sort of walking by it, and, and we were struck in this moment because, I mean, I'd been back there many times. By the way, we still get graffiti on the back walls every once in a while, which is, I always think that's interesting that someone tags us, um, but their work isn't any good. <laughs> I'm like, if it was good, I'd actually keep it, you know? But anyway, um, get, spread the word. Um, <laughs> So anyway, we're walking on the back wall, and, and it's just covered with graffiti, and, and we get to really just, just on the other side of the, our back door, and, and there's quite a bit of, um, you know, demonic sort of satanic sort of graffiti all over the walls. And I remember me and my brother-in-law, we just stop, and we're just, we're just like, man, we just could feel the presence of God. You know, like, this community needs a church. This community needs the presence of God pushing all this back. And I remember we just stopped and we prayed and we just put our hands on the walls and we just, we didn't know, we didn't know that this is where we would be. We just were like, somewhere, God, somewhere. But we kept coming back to this place knowing that someone didn't want God's people here. Every once in a while, God's presence will just knock you over, right? And you just know it. And you have this sense, and that knowledge and that sense, that parent, like I was saying, the sixth sense, that sense that you have, that's not, that's not you. That's the omniscient power of God working in us. The Holy Spirit revealing and re giving us revelation about the world around us. Really what's going on in the principalities of the Spirit. And, and sometimes I, I, I just, I, I, I pray so deeply, like, God, will your Spirit just work more powerfully? And I'm going, no, 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 that's, the work of the Spirit and the work of His presence, it isn't a matter of wishing. It isn't a matter of hoping and asking for more. It's a matter of obedience, and it's a matter of trust and faith. I often think about Psalm 119, you know, whenever it says, you know, sometimes people go, God's, God's presence, right? Like it's, um, it, it, I don't feel it all the time. Like I feel like my life's a wreck. If God's really with me, then why, why is my life a wreck? Why is my life a mess? Why is all this stuff going on? And and I think about Psalm 119 whenever it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And I go, what is that really saying? And I'm thinking about it when it was written and whenever the psalmist wrote those words, they didn't have these you know, spotlights that could see for hundreds of yards. They had a lamp to their feet where they could only see the steps right in front of them. And so they didn't know the destination. They didn't know where the path led. They just had to trust the Lord, right? They just had to say, okay, God, you've made this one step available, this two steps available that I can actually see. I'm going to trust you as I walk. This is his what? His hand guiding us and holding us. And so when I think about God's presence, I think sometimes the reason we aren't maybe aware of it is because I don't know if we're really walking and following his guidance and his leadership in our life. We're not being obedient to it always. We really want the genie in the lamp, the snap of a finger, God's power to just fall on us without the obedient, step-by-step -step walk of a life that loves God. God's spirit is always working. He's always speaking. It's always on the move. And it's our job to jump, to jump in the spirit, in the river, if you will, of where the spirit is flowing. I'm about done, and I'm going to kind of kind of wrap this up, but I, I was, it was reminding me of what Paul said in Romans 8, and you guys know this passage if you've 
been around church for a while. He says this, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the angels nor the demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, the heavens or the depths of the earth, right? Nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's Paul, who's, man, his life is in a mess every day, isn't it? It's seemingly, at least that's the idea we get from the scripture. He's constantly being threatened with his life. And nearly every day of his life, he's going through this struggle, and he knows that nothing, nothing can separate him from God. We can't lose his love if we've ever accepted it. If we've accepted, if we've accepted it, even when we think we've lost it, we haven't. So I just, I, I, as we finish, just a couple thoughts. One, we, we have, we must, we must become more mindful of this cultural worship of self-determination. You know what I'm talking about? Because that essentially declares that you have the omni-attributes that are not yours. Remember, there are some attributes that are God and God's alone. And these are his, that he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is always present. Secondly, I, I, I believe that there's some of us that need to hear this psalm, even though I'm kind of all over the map, I believe a little bit today. I, just, I believe some of us need to hear it, and I can't even tell you why you need to hear it, but, but that's why I say, don't you want the Lord to speak today? Don't you want the Lord to say something? Well, he is speaking. He's always speaking. So the prayer is, Lord, can we hear you? A few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, he used to say these encouraging words to people all the time. He'd say, and, and some of you have heard these statements before, but he says, God sees you, God loves you. And then after I took that from him, and then I added a little freestyle to it and said, oh yeah, and God has you. And, and you know, Caleb mentioned that last week, but God sees you, God loves you, God has you. In some ways, Psalm 139 is a declaration of this, isn't it? God sees you when you sit and when you rise. He knows everything about you. God loves you. He created your inmost being. He created you in your mother's womb. You can never be separated from his love. And God has you. His hand will guide you. He will hold you. He will hold you Sometimes that's exactly what you need is God to just hold you. We want God to fix our problems, but God said, listen, I'm not necessarily, the, this, is a, this is a lifelong journey. That's the path, the step-by-step. Step. It's not always going to happen overnight, but I tell you, I'm telling you, I have you. I will hold you. I will guide you. He has you. So, I love how he ends here, right? Psalm 20, or Psalm 139, verse 23. This will be our ending here. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So David ends, even in his confusion and his back and forth a little bit, he ends with this declaration. He ends with, 
God, your presence is everywhere anyway, so you might as well be everywhere in me. <laughs> you might as well come all the way in. No restrictions, no boundaries, nothing that's just David's. It's all yours. Search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Search my mind. Does anybody have anxious thoughts in your life, right? Yes. Search them, Father. Help me with them. Help me know what to do with that. And then test my heart. Know if there's any offensive way in me. Is there anything going on in my life that shouldn't be going on? Lord, would you reveal that to me? Would you give it laser focus so, Lord, I would get rid of it and I would be led in the way everlasting? Meaning the ways that are your ways, the omni ways, the everlasting, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present ways of you, God. Will you lead me in that way? Because I can never get there because I'm not in control. I can't get there. Only you can take me there because your hand will guide me. It'll hold me. Thank you, God, for seeing me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for having me. This is, what, this is a psalm, isn't it? And it's beautiful. And so today, I, I want to invite you to the altar to pray and maybe pray this prayer in your own words. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm trusting that some of us just need to pray that prayer in our own words today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that as we take time to worship you and end this gathering with a word and song of worship, but also a time of prayer, Lord, I pray for any person in this room that they would feel the freedom and the courage to come and respond to you and respond to you in a way that, Lord, if it's for they need you and they need your salvation that they would do that, Lord. If they need you in just a way that declares praise to you and declares humility at your feet, Father, that, be, that there would be that space and time today for everybody to feel that freedom. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.